0: Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is The Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallon and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And we
1: are back on The Culture Corner, and now I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to welcome uh, to the show my buddy, Miss Siobhan Velarde. Hey, girl, how are you?
2: hi bonnie i'm doing well how are you sweetheart
1: good 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 and we are doing a show together um tomorrow and tomorrow night the 10th and uh saturday the 17th called bosom buddies at runway so yep. i'll let you tell tell people about the show and how it came to be and why you wanted me to do a show with you and all that good stuff
2: <laughs> well i think it was all based on that picture that we took together mm-hmm. and i think somebody called us that which was a fun yeah. little Little spawn of how this started, but um, it is at runway. We um, we have the fabulous Mark Caney on piano. Yes, and Bonnie, has you've just been such an incredible supporter, and used to come to our open mic cabaret, which we had a really great time, mm-hmm. and I just loved being around you and working with you. So. I did one show on St. Patrick's Day, and my first show to venture out, you were my first call. I thought, well, let's Bonnie and I do a show. And the whole time during the pandemic, that's all I could think about was Bonnie and I need to do a show.
1: Well, that's so great. And (laughs) and I'm thrilled to that. Now, tell people people a little more about Runway, because for those who don't know, it's a great little spot in Cathedral City.
2: It is. It's a terrific little hidden gem. And I think um, it is actually a restaurant in front of CCBC, which is the uh, resort there in Cathedral City. So it's kind of behind Revivals. Um, it's a little bit hidden, but it is a proper restaurant and bar and the food is terrific. The owners are just lovely. And they've given me just sort of carte blanche to create events, which is just sort of, you know, it's it's an entertainer's dream. Yep. Um, and I just love bringing my friends in, but it's it's a nice little spot. And the way that we're, we're very carefully socially distancing, getting back, we've been off for a year, but we will be 12 feet away from all customers. It's actually a nice little velvet rope that surrounds mm-hmm. us, that keeps us safe and the customers safe, and they are following all social distancing protocol. And you'll be able to come in. There is a cover. It is a private event. It is $20 pre-sale at Eventbrite. And if you go to Eventbrite and you type in Bosom Buddies, you'll see our picture. And uh, Siobhan Velarde and Bonnie Gilgallan. And um, and then if you don't get them on Eventbrite, then you can purchase them at the door for $30. And uh, that cover is split amongst the performers. And that's how we're raising money. And then uh, people can buy dinner. There'll be a full menu. And the food's terrific at Runway. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people know about their fried pickles, but. <laughs> it, it really
1: is. It's very good. Yeah. Oh,
2: favorite, yeah, they're, they're really terrific. So for people and who. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying—it's just a friendly and warm atmosphere. It's
1: fantastic. Yeah. So, pe- for people who um, are not familiar with Siobhan, and if you, if you, if you go out to entertainment in the desert or like music, and if you're not familiar familiar with Siobhan, I don't know what's wrong with you. But anyway, um, tell <laughs> tell people about a uh, little bit about your start as a performer, how you and how you developed the style that you have today as a singer.
2: Oh, you. You know what? I I have to give big props to Tommy Rose. Um, I went to an open mic at Two Cans about 20 years ago, and I did a few songs, and I'd been singing um, up in the high desert, which was Victorville at the time, in the, in the tiny little place with my friend Joel Ivins, and another friend moved to Palm Springs, says you have to get down here. I did, and Tommy Rose hired me on the spot and really kind of formed me into my style, because Tommy is so quick-witted, and what I love watching so much about Tommy is his interaction with the audience mm-hmm. and I think that connection is where maybe I excel mm-hmm. and I love to engage with everybody and make it funny and, and uh, a, a lot of improv mm-hmm. um, and I think a lot of people are just afraid of my name so <laughs> I don't know how to say <laughs> it or spell it and <laughs> so um, you know you look at it it looks like Baham, but it's yeah. not it's the Irish Siobhan yes. but yeah I think that's just it's sort of my niche to be cheeky and silly and have a good time and I think i that's what i I love so much about you. I think we're cut from the same cloth there mhm
1: mm-hmm. and and you're very you're very bluesy It's one of the things I like about you is, i mean you do a lot of different kind of material, but you really i think when you get the bluesy down home you know body kind of chick songs I think that's one of the things I think you do really well
2: that's my favorite that that's where I feel my soul is I feel that it's really in those... You know, whether it's blues rock or just good old-fashioned blues to just, yeah, sing from the gut, which mm-hmm. is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> so I do. Now, did you
1: have uh, a, lot of, a lot of formal training, it's either voice or, or acting along the way?
2: I did not. I did. A, I grew up, my father worked in the motion picture industry. He was a production designer, and I always wanted to make film. I always wanted to be a director, and life took a little bit of a different turn. I was a you know young mom. And went that direction, and I just sort of took a, you know, community theater acting class um, mm-hmm. uh, or a, a, at a community college. And mm-hmm. then did a couple community theater things, and just kind of went from there, you know, karaoke. And a friend just said, you've got to come and sing with me, and started a partnership. And I, yeah, it just, you know, life takes you in different tangents, and this just happened mm-hmm. to be the one I, I stayed on. hmm
1: <laughs> And do you, yeah. are you somebody who I'm always curious about this with singers? Are you someone who vocalizes a little bit every day, even if you don't have a show coming up? No, I'm
2: horrible. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's probably why I tend to lose my voice because I do sing from my gut and I'll push, mm-hmm. and I'm terrible. No, I I don't prepare. Um, it 's sort of a little joke I have with the audience. I even joke with them the couple first couple songs are throw away, and then we 'll get warmed up and into it, yeah, okay. so I try and i 'm just not disciplined i 'm more disciplined with my cooking
1: okay okay <laughs> and so t- what i love I love to ask this question because i 've had a, interviewed a lot of actors, a lot of singers, a lot of performers over the years. When you go see somebody else and I know we 've been in a pandemic and you seen probably haven't done it much lately but in the past when you've had a night off or when you've gone to see another particularly another singer what do you look for what do you want to see from them to be entertained
2: what a great question you know what i'm i'm really john drawn to the people that make me feel something Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily have to be you know completely pitch perfect and i mean i'm in awe of people that have such great control of their voices and and can do a plethora of things i love to see diversity Mm -hmm. and but i love the people that make me feel something Mm -hmm. like garland to me was the quintessential in the way that when she sang you felt every word yeah and it wasn't always pretty but you certainly felt it. She moved mm-hmm. you. So I was raised by an artist. So I think if art moves me, that's what I'm drawn to. And singing and musicians, all of that. It's all just a, a, a beautiful art form.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I like to feel, yeah, yeah. whether it's happy or silly. And I'm, I'm also an of comedian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, she's she, she's you are a funny chick. Um, what? How do you how do you how do you pick songs for yourself? How do you choose songs that you think that you want to do that'll show you off well?
2: You know, and I don't think I'm always great at that. I think I know my niche, and I go, okay. So many of them have been people that have brought them to me and said, "Learn mm-hmm. this song." Mm-hmm. And I will say, I work for PS Underground a lot, mm. and our our creator, you know, Michael Feetsom, will have a concept and then. Nine times out of ten, he'll say, this is the song I really want you to learn. And then, you know, in the beginning, I'm, oh, gosh, I don't want to do this. Ends up being one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the material is that. Some is just music or musicians, that I love and I sing the tracks for so long that it's so nice to have a piano player Mm -hmm. where I can, you know, like, Hey, I want to do this song. What's so terrific about Mark Caney is Mark can, Mark can jump from style to style with me. Yeah. He can do a great show tune and then nobody plays blues like Mark. Yeah. And I just, I really, really love that. And I think in our show, we're going to show a nice, spectrum mm-hmm. of all different types of music going from pop to blues to standards little to broadway episodes. yeah mm-hmm. that's a little everything and I, that, that's what excites me about you it's like funny mm-hmm. can do a little everything and that's fun you're not a, you're not in a box yeah yeah so what do you have do you ever write do you have you ever written a song, songs you know what it's been years i've written lyrics to songs and i, I play melodies in my head but i've never actually sat down i i, I don't read music Um, so my son, neither one of my kids, they don't read music either, but they're both musicians, but my son will sort of fiddle around on the piano every now and then, Mm -hmm. and I'll be in my room singing along, making up a song, but nothing that I've ever like used or put down. Mm -hmm. I I get too distracted.
1: And what's, what's uh, other than this fabulous show we're doing, uh, the 10th and the 17th, what's on your bucket yes. list? What's on your bucket list? Is there a project or maybe a Broadway role or something that you've always wanted to do that you haven't done uh, yet, performing-wise? I love this
2: question. I love this question. Yes um i would love to do chicago i mean there's chicago the yes. cabaret yeah and um all of those things and i know i'm you know on the older side but i would still <laughs> there's still the dreams to do all of those things but i will say my dream role in life isn't even musical i would love to do who's afraid of virginia Woolf and play martha wow just, yeah <laughs> yeah it's just, that to me is the quintessential role yeah, yeah,
1: that that's that's a heck of a part. Yeah, I have, I have a friend of mine, friend of mine, Mary Wright, who's the director, and I, I actually I met her uh, after she had done this. She directed that years and years and years ago. Uh, and it was the old Top Hat Playhouse. Uh, before it's it's gone now, long since gone. But um, she directed that, and um, I I didn't get to see it. I didn't know her then, but I heard it was five. That's a heck of a role. Yeah, heck of a
2: role. I would love to. I would even be happy to direct. I used to direct. I had a community theater. A players group and I directed a lot of shows and I was in a lot of them as well. And I, I love directing. I love, I love creating, I think in my mm-hmm. next phase in Palm Springs, although I love being in shows, I maybe want to just graduate to performing every now and then, but just creating shows mm-hmm. being in them and, and having some capacity, but yeah. really just creating vehicles where of group things, yeah. you know, we have some exciting things that I'm going to be doing with Desert Rose Playhouse as well that we'll be announcing relatively yeah. soon. So what, what, very stuff.
1: what kind of director are you? Are you, like a real, are you a really, really hands-on director? Are you somebody... I know I've had a lot of directors say casting is 90% of the thing, and then you let them go.
3: Really you is. let them go.
2: It really is. You know what? I think, I think a director, and I think a lot of people sometimes lose that. Even I do, too. I'm guilty of that, where we have to step back and go, okay, this is the director's vision, and let's, let's do that. And let me be the tool to help you. But I do love... I love team effort. I mm-hmm. love that like if I say I really want you to do it this way and somebody suggests well let me try it this way and see what you think and then it might spawn something absolutely new so I'm always yeah. open to new things and I love that and I like being kicked back and I want things to be of ease but to yeah. be a joy, but a collaboration is just everything yeah.
1: to me. Well, Siobhan Velarde and myself with Mark Caney, it's called Bosom Buddies. It's yes. at Runway, Saturday, tomorrow, yes. Saturday, April 10th, and the 17th. Seven show starts at 7. Uh, come early and get your – come in 6 and get sit down and get your dinner. You can get tickets on yes. Eventbrite, $20 pre-sale, $30 at the door. It's at Runway in, yes. in uh, Cathedral City. It's going to be a really, really, really fun show. I hope everybody comes out to see it. And uh, any real quick, any rituals you have before? before before showtime? Do you say a prayer? Do you do anything special?
2: I go in the bathroom and I do a lot of hey screams. Okay. Seriously? (laughs) I probably scare people. I really do. You know why? One of my favorite singers, Beth Hart, I heard her do it I, and I got to see her a lot live and she would go in the bathroom so she She was one of the greatest voices I've ever heard and that kind of became my thing so she,
1: you go in the bathroom you <laughs> scream hey you
2: just do that I scream hey just like really over and over again
1: okay I'm going to have to try it alright darling I'll see you tomorrow I'm looking so forward to it Siobhan Velarde wait. come see us bosom buddies alright we'll I be back can't wait. we'll be back with more on the Culture Corner in just a moment
0: The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's the Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760 544 TALK. That's 760 544 8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio.
4: Hey, welcome back to the Culture Corner.
0: Now, we're going to talk about the
4: vaccine and how it's hitting up TikTok in this. I had
1: not heard about any of this. I think it's great.
4: So, what happened on TikTok is that this one TikToker whose name is I Drink Your Milkshake, and she has gotten a lot of popularity on TikTok because she kind of threw in a very random joke in which only hot people get the Pfizer vaccine. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I beg to differ. I got Moderna, and I think I'm kind of hot, so.
4: <laughs> oh, Bonnie, I was going to say that. the It was one of those things where she w- goes on in the video to say, if you got Moderna, then I don't know what to tell you, Queen. This message <laughs> is brought to you by <laughs> Pfizer gang. And she said that a lot. And when you look at it, there's a lot of, like, vaccine um, selfies where people are taking Mm. videos of themselves with the Mm band-aid with their car i got yeah now what does it say about moderna though they have their own little stick right Well, yeah like they're they're doing their own thing where it's like i bet kind of like that where they say like you know moderna is the is for the real homies or something like (laughs) okay (laughs) for the authentic people and they've been doing this thing where like pfizer and moderna and johnson and johnson for this in this case AstraZeneca and Spotnik are kind of like mocked as being the. If you got those vaccines, then we all agree that those, are the uh, those are not the ones we want. But these three, the Johnson and Johnson, Moderna's, um, Pfizer, because c- these are the three most common in the United mm-hmm. States. Those are they're kind of doing this thing where they're like they call themselves like Pfizer Gang, Moderna Gang, mm, yeah. Johnson and Johnson, or yeah. Janssen. I think that's what they call it. And the idea is that it's kind of like a um, in Harry Potter when they pick the different houses where it's like I'm team this and all my friends are team that and it's supposed to be sort of like a way for us to raise awareness about taking the vaccine without making it sort of dull it's to get people invested in it you know what I mean like get vaccinated and you get to be part of this team mm-hmm. and it's just a fun way to do it and the woman um, who started the trend with I, I drink your milkshake she actually said that she wanted to start this she started this trend her name is lena daniels because she felt that it, it was just fun it was like a rivalry between sports team and also because she felt that she wanted to convince people her age and her parents to get vaccinated get vaccinated it's a great way to do it and you know and she said that the algorithm for TikTok is slowly making its way to people who get the vaccine so if someone talks about the vaccine or you're in a post about your vaccine that video will go to you so mm-hmm. you will see that video and I honestly think it's great I mean honestly I'd rather have this be something if TikTok's gonna exist that it, it exists for a good purpose and I think that it is very important and she also and it's also possible that when you see these um videos that there is like a a link in a lot of these videos like an ad link that tells you hey learn more about the Pfizer vaccine or the Moderna vaccine or the AstraZeneca vaccine mm-hmm. so it's a great way not only to get be part of a group of people but also just to have fun and mm-hmm. and get informed.
1: I mean, because there hasn't been much fun associated with this virus. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of fun. So it's nice to have so, okay, let's get vaccinated. This is a positive thing and let's p- throw some fun in here. I think we're some people we're starving for fun,
4: you know. And I think it's one of those things where like, you know, I think some people may say like Kind of scoff it off a little bit. And I know that it is, it's one of those stories where it's like it's actually kind of fun to hear young people actually sort of make um, take the vaccine seriously, but mm-hmm. also just have fun in a fun that. way. Yeah, in a fun way where yeah. it doesn't feel like oh we have to always you know um, doom, be, and doom and gloom and doom and gloom. Yeah and the thing w- and to move on to something a little less happy share mm-hmm. now share has to did some soul searching where she had to give an apology because as many of us know the george floyd trials are coming out yeah. and uh, it is you know I have seen it it's difficult to watch it and is yeah very difficult but not to get too much into it. but share actually had a tweet where she said that she actually said maybe if I had been there I, I could have helped. helped yeah and I think a lot of people understood what she was saying, but it was one of those It came say- across the wrong way. It it yeah. did. And some people say it kinda comes into this white savior complex thing where it's like White Privilege, well I could have wrote ridden in and saved the day and I'm a celebrity, so everyone would have listened to me or whatever. Yeah. And in reality, it I think look, I would tell Cheryl like it's not I get where your heart's at, but you know, the fact is a man died. Yeah. And yeah there's nothing you could have done because honestly it would have, they happened. weren't
1: letting the uh, a woman who was an EMT or a firefighter do anything. So I don't think they would have let her do anything either.
4: Yeah. And the thing is, at least she came out with an apology. So yeah. I, uh, it's funny because like at this point we might as well call it apology of the week segment. Exactly. Cause there's <laughs> always somebody who needs to make one. Yeah. And, and she did say she's doing some soul searching and that it's been hard on her to like deal with this. And I uh, personally for me, I thought it was a bad tweet I I would have said something like you know my heart breaks for this and I wish I wasn't like it's okay to feel like you wish you could have done something but to say it like if I was there like you
1: no, that it was worded badly
4: yeah and in general like I just think that the idea is to get justice like Mm -hmm. what can you do to get justice rather than hypothetically think of yourself as a hero in an instance where you could have not been one
1: right Absolutely, but the apology is smart. Good, good for her. All right, we're going to be back with one of my favorite people ever, Rudy Lee, and just a bit on the Culture Corner.
0: Listening to Bonnie Gilgallon and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie.
1: And we are back on The Culture Corner, and now we're joined by one of my favorite people on the planet, Miss Ruta Lee, who has a new book out. Hi, Ruta, how are you?
5: Oh, my bonbon bon of the desert. I just adore you, too, sweetheart. Um, I'm so happy to be with you on this glorious day we're having.
1: Yay, yay. So there's so much to talk about, but we're gonna, we'll go backwards in a minute. But
5: first, you have a new book out, right? Uh, consider- I am so excited about this. I mean, now besides... Actress, singer, dancer, uh, salesperson, uh, (laughs) philanthropist, socialite. Now we can add author. Isn't that amazing? Yes. (laughs) And and my book is so aptly titled because it comes from the bottom of my heart. Mm -hmm. Consider Your Ass Kissed. Yes. I've used that expression for years, and and George Pinocchio, whom you know is the red carpet man for ABC television, Mm -hmm. said to me years ago, Ruta, if you ever do a book, that should be the title of Mm -hmm. your book. And he's so right, and I'm so proud to have actually put my fanny into a chair and done this. It's yes. a, a miracle. And and we're going to have a book signing, believe it or not, at uh, Just Fabulous. I don't know the date yet, but I'm hoping that all of my Palm Springs friends will either do it online or go to Barnes & Noble. More important, go to Just Fabulous and come and say hello in person and say hello to the boys that run that fabulous little shop.
1: Excellent, excellent. I, by the way, I ordered the book. It's on the on the way. I don't have it yet, but it's on the way. So, Bonnie,
5: do you know that I am so thrilled to say this that... Um, the beautiful Amazon has said that it is book number 2 in line for orders. Isn't that fabulous? Wow. That's yes. Now, is I'm this So excited. I thought, "Oh, who's going to remember an old broad like me, you know?" Um,
1: it's just e- great. Everybody. Now, so this is basically an autobiography sort of your life story for the most
5: part? Not really my life story. Just wonderful incidents mm-hmm. and events from my life that have colored my life and uh... made it so wonderfully beautiful uh... I- i'm so blessed in so many ways And one of them is having a good friend like you.
1: Oh, you're so
5: sweet. Well, let's go back. For people who don't
1: know, um, so uh, your dad was a Lithuanian tailor. Uh, You're at Hollywood High, and you got a job at the uh, Grumman's Chinese Theater, an usherette. You uh, went up the chain in command and then got fired. Tell tell me about that. (laughs) Mm
5: -hmm. Well, I've always been lousy in math, (laughs) but I loved being an usherette, and some of our listeners may not remember what an usherette is. uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, movie theaters, movie palaces, had people run you down to your seat with a flashlight so that mm-hmm. you didn't stumble and trip. And I could stand at the top of the aisle and watch all the movie queens that I wanted to be, mm-hmm. you know, the Missy Gainers, the June Havers, the Biddy Grable's, and I just th- thrived on it. Now I got promoted to Candy Girl. Mm-hmm. And I told you I was lousy in math, <laughs> but I could deal with those numbers because they were 10 cents, 15 yeah. cents, 50 cents, you know, yeah. they were easy numbers to deal with. Yeah. Then one night... The cashier got sick and I got mm-hmm. promoted to cashier and I said, Oh I can't do this. Mm-hmm. They said, Yes you can. All you do you see either tickets were like a dollar ninety eight yeah. or two sixty five yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. And you just punch in the number of tickets at that price and then punch in the amount they gave you and it'll give you the right change. Well, it gave the right change, all right, right out, $40 short that night. Oops. And I got fired. Oh, dear. And I said, oh, I, I didn't steal the money. You, you just don't know. The machine made, made me do it. <laughs> and fade out, fade in, I got fired, and I said I'd be back, and I, my, finger, my handprints would be in the lobby, you know, one of these days. And guess where my star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame is? It's
1: right in front of there.
5: Right in front yep. of the box office. <laughs>
1: that is great. That's great. Now you were you were assigned. You were the youngest of the Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Now was that yes, what your first yes. movie? Very first movie.
5: My very first movie, and my God, what an auspicious movie. And, you know, Bonnie, it's so amazing how many generations have come and gone with that movie as, as a centerpiece. You know, it's, it's, been, it, it's held up so well mm-hmm. for so many years. I think we're into our fifth generation by now. Wow. Wow.
1: And was that was that intimidating at all for you? Or is it just a blast all the way through?
5: Oh, honey, it wasn't intimidating. I was too young and too stupid (laughs) to realize how important it was, you know. And there I was working with some of the best dancers in America. And and wow, and I I was keeping up with them as best I knew how, you know. Mm -hmm. So I I adored that it made a, a very, very big difference in my life. Of course, one of our Local members, one of our gentry, Mr. Frank Sinatra, made an important uh, change in my life, too, when I got to be leading lady to Mr. Sinatra and Dean Martin and Sammy Davis and Peter Lawford and Joey Bishop and the Crosby boys. Wow. That wasn't all bad, and that was Mm -hmm. our... Friend and neighbor frank sinatra thank mm-hmm. you god <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah and you've and you've done been around you did a lot of musicals uh, dolly annie peter pan mame irene Nellie. we're all lots of women of the year uh best little Horror House in texas i played the madam at a local local production of that show here in the desert which was great and fun i bet
5: you were wonderful well, because everything i've ever seen you in i thought you were wonderful you're so sweet
1: and and um lots of tv I mean, lots and lots and lots
5: of TV. At least 2,500 guest starring roles on television. It's been a fabulous career. You know, Bonnie, I've never reached fabulous uh, superstardom. But on the other hand, I have worked... All of my life. Uh-huh. If it wasn't movies, then it was television. If it wasn't television, it was theater all around the country. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know the most lucrative job I ever had was the five years that I had on Home Shopping Network. Really? Okay. So that goes to show you. And, and so I write about... All of these things, and then tidbits, and I have a little bit of kind of gossip about everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of gossip never hurt anybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's all in the book, and I'm, I'm just so hoping that people will come to see me and, and say hi when I'm at the uh, uh, Just Fabulous I I don't know how we're going to do all of this COVID-wise, but hopefully we're getting past it all. And pretty soon, pretty soon, we'll be able to hug.
1: Yeah, and I hope everyone just stays smart about it. I wanted to mention something else, too. And I hope, is it the Thalians? Am I pronouncing that correctly?
5: Yes, you are, darling. Yes, you are. Talk
1: about that a little bit.
5: Well, the Thalians was a group of young Hollywood people that got tired of being called hard-drinking, pot-smoking asses that had nothing to contribute. Mm. And they said, you know, we get together and sing around the piano and have drinks and whatnot. Why don't we put something together, sell tickets? And that's how the Thalians was born. And we have uh, raised money by honoring uh, the most wonderful people in our business that dazzled us not only, with their performances on screen or stage, but who dazzled us with their performances philanthropically as well. And we've honored everybody from Lucille Ball through Frank Sinatra, through Dean Martin, through uh, Sammy Davis, through, you know, you name it. Mm -hmm. They were honored. Our our last honoree, God bless him, was Clint Eastwood. Mm -hmm. Um, So And so we've raised a lot of money. And we've always been Hollywood for mental health, but now we have switched from our pediatric through geriatric service and care to focusing on returning veterans. Wow. Bonnie, these are the young men and women that do so much and lay their lives on... Mm-hmm. on the table every day for our country and yet they come back home injured and maimed and fall through the cracks sometimes yeah so we've ju- teamed up with ucla and operation mend operation mend heals the broken and fractured bodies of these beautiful young people and we Thalians are trying to heal the fractured and broken minds and spirit of our returning veterans good for you, you know they they deserve the best America has to offer, and damn it, we've got to do for them. So, of course, I will beg any of our friends and neighbors here in the beautiful desert that we live in, if they have a few extra bucks, go to the mm. thephalians, T-H-A-L-I-A-N-S dot mm. org, and you'll read all about us, and whether it's $5 or $50 or $50,000, It will be well used taking care of our returning veterans and their families in crisis.
1: That's great. Good for you. How how often are you here in the desert? I know you travel all over the place.
5: I'm trying to get here a little more. I've spent actually, I actually spent a whole week here. A week ago, and I'm going to spend another week here this time. And usually it's just the weekend or whatever and then back again. But COVID has been good to me in that way, is that I'm not traveling as much. I'm home now. Yeah. And uh, home includes a home in L.A. Mm-hmm. and my beautiful little house here in Palm Springs. And I adore the desert.
1: Yeah. Real quick. I'm going to see if we can get this story in. So this is an interesting story. Uh, you made international headlines when you convinced Khrushchev to release your 90 old grandmother from the Soviet Union. Tell us about that.
5: Oh, that's a long story, and its I, I dedicate a chapter in my book okay. to it, but now I've decided that I'm going to do the full book. It deserves it, because we're mm-hmm. talking about a 90-year-old lady who, along with her husband, were deported to Siberia. Uh, why? Who knows? Mm-hmm. They weren't the intelligentsia mm-hmm. or the cognoscenti. You know, they, they were farm folk. Mm-hmm. Hell, they had a cow. That was the richest thing they had. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, and off they went to Siberia. My grandfather's legs were frozen on the cattle car that they were being deported on. And when they took off his boots, the the flesh came off with them. Oh, he had gangrene. Oh. My grandmother never knew because she was sent on to the next stop in Siberia. Eventually, they were permitted to leave Siberia. Or stay, depending on you know what they had accomplished there. She had literally hitchhiked across Siberia to find another daughter of hers, and and uh, my mother found them in Siberia through the Red Cross, mm-hmm. and that's how we got in touch. Eventually, wow. she was they went back to Lithuania. My aunt wrote a letter saying thank you for all the things that we had sent in packages and the clothes for her to be laid out in. That was very important to her.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And and we got a letter. My grand, my mother got a letter six weeks or so after it was sent out of Lithuania thanking us for all the things that we had sent that they sustained themselves with, you know. And that we didn't know if she was alive or dead because it took so long wow. for a letter to get through. And, of course, mm-hmm. it was censored. And so I called... Khrushchev that night, the more wine my friends poured, the more obvious it became (laughs) that I should pick up the damn phone and call Khrushchev, which I did. And I said, I want to talk to the President, Premier Khrushchev, the uh, Moscow, you know, the Kremlin, Mm -hmm. Moscow, USSR. Yeah. The operator said, how do you spell Khrushchev? (laughs) Well, hell, who the hell knew how to do that? Long story short, I connected after about six hours of back and forth from the Russian operator to the American operator with... Uh, An operator said, Mr. Khrushchev, no speak it English, you speak it interpreter, Mr. Khrushchev. Well, I remembered there was a very attractive young man that traveled with Khrushchev when he was banging his shoe on the podiums, you know, Mm -hmm. and saying very rude things in Russian. Yeah. Uh, But the uh, interpreter translated it and made it palatable to our Victorian ears. And my father used to laugh, and I said, okay, I'll talk to him. So we talked, and he said, Miss Lee, we know all about you in Hol- from Hollywood. We see your movies here. What can I do for you? And I said, I want to come to the Soviet Union, and I want to bring my mother and father, and I want to go to Lithuania.
1: And you did. And, and you he, know, I, I shouldn't have asked you that question, because I know we're running out of time, but it's in the book. It's in the book. Get the
5: book. It's in the book, and you can read all about it. Can, no problem. Can, but thank you for sharing your audience oh, with me, honey. Thank you, sweetie. I'm so pleased.
1: Consider and your ass kissed. you
5: perform this week?
1: Yes, yeah. Consider your ass kissed. Rodalee, get it, get it. Order the book. Thank you. I love you. We'll see you at the show. Thank you. <laughs> I love
5: you. you. You bet, my darling friend. All Bye right. For now. Thanks,
1: sweetie. All right. Culture Corner. We'll be back with more in just a bit.
0: You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallon and Brian Mendoza, talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian.
4: On this segment of The Culture Corner, we're going to talk about, first off, we're going to start off with Dave Pinkley. Now, Dave Pinkley is very famous for writing the um, Captain Underpants books, which is just a series. Which I think
1: is hilarious, <laughs> hilarious name in
4: and of itself, but... It's a series of books about children who uh, basically f- discover this superhero who is just in his underpants the whole time and he <laughs> fights and and saves the day and all that. And it's one of those like, it's both very sincerely a superhero story, but also a very, it's satire too. Mm-hmm. It's, okay. it's one of those books that surprisingly, surprisingly gets often put into the lists of challenge books because it, a couple of weeks ago we had a professor on who actually talked about this and she said that the reason why it gets on there so much is because the kids in the book are disobedient and mm. so a lot of schools don't really like that type of like literature for their kids but surprisingly they have never been pulled off the shelves from anywhere mm-hmm. but now he personally has decided to pull off a spinoff for the series the adventures of ook and gluk kung-fu cavemen from the future mm-hmm. now the book itself you know for the most part Most people didn't really receive controversy when it came out. Like it's one of those things where people, you know, just sort of took it as a children's book and kind of went their own way about it. Now Dave Pinkley himself on his YouTube channel said that him and Scholastic are going to remove the book from print on their own fruition Mm -hmm. because they felt and he felt that he pushed a lot of reductive, harmful stereotypes Mm -hmm. about Asian people. And because the story centered on Kung Fu, Mm -hmm. he felt that he perpetuated the idea of the Asian. Now is not
1: the time because there's so much of that floating around, that uh, animosity.
4: Yeah. And and he did this on March 25th, which I think was more or less around the time that the Atlanta shooting was happening. Mm -hmm. And he said that he will be donating all the profits that he's made from the book to children in underserved communities organizations that promote diversity and children's books and publishing and organizations designed to stop Asian hatred and what I got to say is good good for you honestly because like I think that when it comes to this show uh, authors singers have every right to it's know. their own material they can do whatever they want with it and it's one of those things where I think like when I look back at older episodes of the flicks and picture I used to do for here, there'd be some episodes I would take out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sit back and I think the first episode erase it, please yeah, <laughs> yeah. don't ever have that ever again. Yeah. Hey, and you have the right to do that. Cause it's your, it's you, it's representing you. It's your talent. It's your, yeah. And it's interesting because even it happens in little ways, like on SNL, there was a um, skit they used to do called, they have skits that would air on West coast and the East coast and they would have different, um, Deliveries or maybe like on one skit for the West Coast Or I think we're in the West Coast right or we're in the West Coast. I was gonna say (laughs) in the East Coast. I think (laughs) the
1: last I looked I think well
4: when they're doing in New York They would have maybe someone would accidentally slip up on a cuss word Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to here we hear a much more refined a little less Mm -hmm. a little bit more prepared version of it So no matter what you think about it There are ways that artists Will change up their work for different audiences, or they might take away something. Like mm-hmm. on SNL, when you go on, um, when you go on Hulu and you watch an old SNL clip, you're not gonna see Sinead O'Connor ripping up mm-hmm. the pa- P- picture of the Pope, picture yeah. of the Pope, or you're yeah. not gonna see some old skits because, well, it's their right to do it, and that's yeah. what I think. I think so. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I, you know, people need to just cool out. And here's, the, you know, everyone talks about cancel culture. You're allowed to cancel yourself, <laughs> and it's not canceling. It's rethinking something from the perspective of that, the current times and what, and what the current social atmosphere is and the, the, the animosity and the, you know, the, all the tension that's going on in the world today. You, as a writer, an artist, or whatever it is, have the perfect right to pull back something that you created if you feel it's not uh, appropriate or not representative of who you are now. You know, it's not someone else canceling you. So people need to just chill out.
4: No, I definitely agree with that. And also, I think people also have this mistaken idea that the culture is forcing like someone like Dave Pinkley that maybe no one's saying it directly. I think what Dave Pinkley probably saw was, wow, there's a lot of hostility against Asian Americans and maybe and just maybe I should probably rethink my work where I talked about because I don't want to contribute to that yeah and I think that that is very reasonable for mm-hmm. any writer to do and I think honestly it comes with maturity I think if Stephen King did it and the Dr. Seuss Foundation did it mm-hmm. Dave Pinkley's doing it I think yeah. that there's a lot of authors who will go back at their work and realize well maybe I could have done better mm-hmm. like I was reading up a story about an author who has always said they regretted the way they wrote oh Ursula K Le Guin she actually was a famous science fiction writer. She Mm -hmm. has always said before she died that she regretted the way she wrote women. Mm -hmm. She said, I wish I wrote women as the lead instead of Mm -hmm. like a supporting character or a maid. Because for me, that's the type of image I took in when I was writing these books as a woman. And now Mm -hmm. I regret it. And I think it's very important for writers to retrospectively look back at their work and change things if they want you know it
1: reminds me of uh, there's so many good ones but one of my favorite Maya Angelou quotes is when you know better you do better and that's true of all of us, no matter what it is. You know, you know, when you, you did the what you knew to, to do at the time, and we all hopefully learn and grow and educate ourselves and become and evolve. And so, when you evolve, then you do what's right. Then
4: you know. I certainly agree with that because, like, for me, it's like I look back at some of my Facebook posts from the last couple of years, and. I bet if you, I think you have Facebook memories, too, Mm -hmm. where you look back and you're like, I really wish I hadn't said that. Yes, absolutely. And some people have said to me that why do I censor some of my more older posts? Because I say, you know, because it's published. And I don't want that to be the message I put Mm -hmm. out. Like, you know, you Mm -hmm. never know because what you put out on the Internet or in the publishing world never goes away. And and if you have a right to go back and correct something, feel free. Mm -hmm. And also, I wanted to end the show on a pretty positive story. An eight year old boy named Jackson um, Dempsey. He actually saved his little sister. He's eight years old. He saved his little sister uh, who was 20 months old from choking from a chicken nugget after she, he actually saw John Cena doing a, um, the Heimlich, Heimlich maneuver yeah. over on Nickelodeon uh-huh. on a show called The Substitute where they do like, uh, it's where celebrities go on to pretend to be like substitute teachers and he mm-hmm. actually demonstrated it on a dummy. Mm-hmm. And so Jackson remembered that and applied it to save his and little And how sister. old is Jackson? Jackson is eight years old and he saved wow. his 20 year uh, tw- old 20, <laughs> twenty bless him, that's good for him. That's great. That is fabulous. And it's one of those things where like Nickelodeon even responded saying that everyone in Nickelodeon is proud of Jackson and his heroic actions and we are Arnold to be uh, part of such a remarkable uh, story of good news and courage. Yay for Jackson and uh, Leela. And. Oh my! That's God. great. That like, is so great. It's always you know we always hear about all these negative we stories. We gotta <laughs> hear stuff like that sometimes. It's it's beautiful because to me it's like you never know what you put out there. Like if you know something and you put it out there like Share CPR, yeah. you know what? You never know what could happen. And exactly. Nickelodeon just put this on a prank show, mm-hmm. and it saved a little girl's life. Yeah. It's P- great, wonderful.
1: Thanks for that story, Brian. That was great. I'd love to. End up. Thank you so much to Chella, to Fern, to Siobhan, to Ruta Lee. We love you guys. It was a great show. Great
4: guests. Um,
1: and thanks for ending on that happy note. We like that.
4: <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week on The Culture Corner. Stay safe. Stay safe and have a good time and get vaccinated. Get vaccinated.